He decided that their presence would be worth reporting to his new superior, the abbot of Amboise, who was arriving that same evening to replace Cardinal Lorraine, who had been summoned to Rome three days before the royal wedding festivities. Duval had not yet met the abbot, but knew of him, by reputation, as a man of God, who sternly opposed all religious leanings not embraced by the Holy See. Then he went back to the auberge. A word with you, landlord, he said, pointing at Antoine Marc as he crossed over to the bar. Antoine Marc looked alarmed and began mumbling something about the change from the money for the stranger's drinks, but Duval cut him short. Who were they? Do you know? he asked. I've never seen them before, sir, Antoine Marc muttered. Had the others? Vicon Laurent and Nicholas Must, do you think? Duval jingled some coins in his pocket. Antoine Marc pursed his lips. Not that they gave any sign, sir, but of course it's difficult to say these days. He drew out the last few murmured words to emphasize them. What with the problems and me being a landlord obliged to serve all who enter. And most of the time you know your customers, Duval persisted. If you are referring to the Huguenot gentlemen, oh, sir, oh, yes, I know them well. Antoine Marc's whisper was sly. The Vicomte Laurent and Nicholas Masson and their associates frequently take a glass of wine here. He raised a protesting hand. Not, mark you, sir, but by my choice, but a man must live and a glass of wine down anyone's gullet, be he Catholic or Huguenot, puts two sous in my till. Watch and listen and I'll put in more. Duval was brusque as he placed some coins on the counter. Antoine Marc inclined his head slightly, took a goblet from under the bar, placed it in front of Duval, and poured in some wine from a carafe. Your continued good health, sir, Antoine Marc murmured as he scooped up the coins. Stephen had stood watching the doctor's carriage trundle away across the small bridge on the south side of the island until it was out of sight. Then he looked up at the ornate twin towers of the cathedral in front of him and decided to go inside. As he walked across the square, he passed the three stationary carriages with their liveried drivers immobile in their seats under the broiling sun. One of the horses pawed the ground briefly with a hoot. The second swished its tail, and as Stephen mounted the steps to the massive, intricately carved western entrance, the third horse nodded its plumed head. Stephen went into the shade and the coolness of the interior. Candles burned in groups on either side of the main altar, and he looked around at the massive pillars decorated with tapestries and heraldic banners stretching up to the central dome high above him. There was a faint lingering fragrance of incense in the air, and as he sat down in a pew he had a fleeting vision of the majestic pomp and circumstance of the previous day's marriage. Now Notre Dame wore a mantle of serenity. Yet Stephen had seen and heard the confrontation in the auberge, and the doctor had warned him that it was not a time for them to linger in. Involuntarily he shivered and wished that the doctor were with him.